AA Beyond Belief is a podcast by for and about people who have found a secular path to sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, thank you, everybody, for watching the live feed here on our live stream here on YouTube. Um, I originally put out a title for this that was a bit depressing. It was everybody hurts. <laughs> and it came, it came to mind because I, I went for a walk today and I came back from the walk and I was just feeling, I don't know, I was just feeling depressed. So what do I do? I play a sad song. Uh, everybody hurts by REM, but actually the song is sort of uplifting and it was kind of appropriate for how I was feeling. And cause it does feel like the whole world hurts right now. Um, but after thinking it over, it's like, I don't want to be totally into, um, you know, how bad I feel about things, but I just thought, you know, maybe looking more at, you know, having some emotional balance in the most difficult of times. And Angela even suggested that, you know, in the, um, one of her favorite books is the alternative 12 steps, a secular guide. And in step 10, uh, it's all about monitoring our emotions and feelings and thoughts and so forth. And to me, that's about emotional balance. And so I thought that might be something worth talking about. Um, For the most part, I think I'm doing great during the week. Um, You know, I I stay busy at work. Um, I do better if I don't have the news on. Um, my, my home group is starting to have online Zoom meetings, and it turns out that I really like them, although I do have to be the IT guy for the group and help everybody get on into the meeting. That's okay. But I, I, I find myself at those meetings smiling and laughing, and that is something that I think is badly needed right now. Um, and uh, it just feels great to see them. And I think, it's, I think I like those Zoom meetings with my home group so much better than other meetings I've gone to because I actually know those people. I have relationships with them um, from the face-to-face meetings, so that makes it a little bit more special. So, hey, I forgot to say hi to Angela and Ben. Hi, Angela. Hello. How are you? I'm doing okay. I listened a little bit to our thing last time um, after we were done and, and you said hi to us and you're like, hi, Angela. I'm like, hi. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, I am great. <laughs> Sorry. Is that a dog? <laughs> well, you know, I, I have this habit of saying hello and then not letting the person talk. Hello. So anyway. Yeah. No. Ben? No big deal. How I'm going to guess Angela put her phone on mute or her thing on oh, mute. Oh, was that her dog? Abby dog. <laughs> it was my dog. Yeah, I wasn't was, sure was, if that was like a sound effect. He was effect voicing my, re- my feelings. <laughs> you know, he's, we're very, very closely connected. And there so, yeah. So he was just uh, helping out demonstrate how I felt last week. So we should record, anyway. record that dog. That actually is a good sound effect. It could be used like... <laughs> so Ben how's your week Ben oh it's been uh up and down you know having two toddlers I guess is for a toddler I don't know we have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and uh being stuck inside has been pretty tough we've gotten out a little bit I went to a playground yesterday but I was uh thinking that wasn't the good choice but there was nobody there but we went and then I felt guilty about going um, because I didn't feel like I was doing my social distancing part, even though there was absolutely nobody there. So I don't know. I, I struggle with what's right to do, what's wrong to do. We don't go to the grocery store unless we need to. And, you know, just not talking to people is in person is a deal. And I'm starting to understand. I think it was easy to say that, yep, doing good. This is what you do. You do the deal last week. And then this week it's been, oh, God get me the hell out of here. Well, it's um, funny. So. I, I was looking out the window at my car and I was like, wow, I haven't driven my car in a while. It's yeah. Kind of bizarre. Okay. The good side though, is I'm getting a lot more exercise. I've been going That's for true. a lot more walks. My wife has been, uh, we've been taking turns. We got a lake close to us. So we've been taking turns going over there and walking each day. So yeah, I, th- I think I've lost a little bit of weight. I'm basically living off of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and going on walks. <laughs> <in my car>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, to the topic at hand. Um, 
you know what? I always I always like to go to Angela because actually she she knows this book right, you know, forward and backward. And uh, so why don't why don't Angela you kind of introduce the the subject matter, and we'll just take it from there. Let a conversation flow from from that. Um, okay, great. Um, so yeah, we were uh, the three of us kind of talking about what to to share this week, um, what kind of things were going on, and um, one of the things that was coming up for me is hearing a lot of people in meetings, you know, needing to share on on what's happening. Um, but sometimes we get really lost in the feelings that we're having, and and just kind of keeps keep circling on those feelings of fear and, and frustration and anger and, and all of that stuff. And so, you know, I, I thought about what have I done in the past? <laughs> you know, there seems to be something that I've done that helped me with this. And, um, and it made me think of step 10 um, for me. Uh, and uh, one of the things in the secular guide that I really like is that um, their idea of step 10 is, is basically, you know, trying to, to live in balance and integrity. Um, um, you know, we do mindful behavior and, uh, and that they see it as um, the authors um, see it as a step where you're um, actively working at monitoring your moods, you know, and, and individual emotions and stuff. Um, and so one of the things they, they bring up is, um, is to think about like, where is the emotion that you're feeling in your body? You know, uh, you know, are you sitting there right now with your stomach tight or tense? Um, are you clenching your jaw? Um, for me, I find that, uh, that my toes, I clench my toes <laughs> and that when I go to try to do any sort of relaxing or meditative thing and they have you do a body scan or whatever, I find that I have my toes clenched a lot when I'm angry or frustrated or, you know, having some sort of anxiety type of emotion. And so, um, their suggestion is to, to think about that, um, and try to relax those parts and, and see if there's something there that, uh, that you can work with. Um, maybe to to feel a little bit better, just to understand where that's coming from. I think some of the stuff that's happening, you know, is real. Um, I mean, I know it's real, but um, some of our reactions and emotions to it are not because of it. They're because of other things that we've dealt with or thought of or, or been through. And so some of our, our anger is, you know, triggered from that stuff. And then and then we're projecting it onto other people, or at least I know I am. <laughs> so isn't that so interesting like, <laughs> that that you know a lot of times we're looking at um, oh I guess fear or something that seems to be um, misplaced, but in this case it's actually there's reason to be fearful. I guess you know there's reason to be concerned, um, and it's that's something different. I guess for for some of us, I don't know. Um, for me, I guess it probably is. Um, but I've been finding some balance when I get find myself getting anxious. The the thing that helps me is is my walks with my dog. That really does seem to help kind of break up the day a little bit. Um, and I am kind of aware when I'm when I'm kind of getting out of line. Like I I, I have been kind of um, rough with people. Like at work, I've not been I've not been um, considerate that they too are feeling the same sort of anxiety. You know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, Ben. Did you want? Oh, yep. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, well, as we know, we had an email thing yesterday, and I was a little bit terse in my response to one of Angela's emails, so I apologized for that before we started this. Um, and it is. It's misdirected stuff, like you said, Angela. And um, I like the way you described that or how, the, how you said the book described it. And it's, it's kind of about taking things that I think I used to react on out of what seemed like instinct without any consciousness about it at all. And now I need to make those things conscious and keep them in my conscious. So that's where that 10th step stuff is important because I think it's, it's not letting yourself off the hook to just react out of panic or anxiety or this or that and say like, no, let's make this conscious. Let's try and be aware of it as often as possible so that we can reduce doing that. And like you said very well too, it's, in John too, it is serious. This is stuff. We are going to have natural reactions to things that are a threat or um, things that we perceive that people are doing that threatens all of us. But um, yeah, trying to limit how we have that fly out sideways at each other, which I didn't do very good yesterday. 
is, um, is really important. And it, it takes me back like this higher level of anxiety. It also reminds me of when I first got sober, just that low level anxiety or high level or low level anxiety that I carried around all the time, um, that I wasn't ever aware of. And then once, once I got sober physically and then worked on some stuff like to feel a sense of calm at some time felt very foreign. So now this is kind of a, a return to that. I am feeling a low level of anxiety all the time. I'm going to need to be a little bit more vigilant about watching my behaviors because it's coming out sideways at my kids and, you know, they're dealing with stuff too. Like even if they're just itty bitty little beings, they've got routines and they're used to seeing their friends and they're used to going and playing at different places. So it affects all of us. And, and the more I can stay in an empathetic mindset and remember that everybody else is going through this too, the less likely I am to act out and then feel like I then feel guilt and shame about acting out then having to make an apology and then do it all over again and say, why the hell are you doing this all the time? But it's, it's also good to just remember we are human. This is uh, the first time a lot of us have gone through a lot of things like this as a society and it, it's going to be a deal. But also in AA, a lot of people have had traumas that make them hypersensitive to this stuff too. So we've kind of been prepared for this if you've been in recovery a while too, but still it almost brings us back to that. So that's a, that's a tough thing. Yeah. One of the things that I like um, in that secular guide um, as well is I, that I think is different from what I've heard in the rooms on traditional 10th steps um, is a lot of them. It seemed to be that, you know, you ask yourself questions that are, are more harsh, um, you know, like you really have to get after yourself or beyond yourself. And, and, um, and I like how they talk about, you know, fear being natural, you know, some of the stuff I've learned is that, yeah, we, we, we re- react that way because it's, it's part of our biology, you know, and, and some of these things people are saying or doing, you know, make us think that we're about to be attacked by a, a bus or a bear or something. Um, and so one of the things that they have is, um, you know, doing some checklists at the end of the day, like, um, you know, where have I been in integrity? You know, have I been out of in- integrity, but not to like beat yourself up about it or go on and on and on about how awful you were or anything. Um, but to, you know, to note it, um, and, uh, where have I helped people, um, and, uh, where was my act of courage? That was one of them that I liked because, you know, I don't generally go through my day, uh, thinking of myself as being courageous <laughs> in any way, mm-hmm. but in, in stressful times, you know, that, that is helpful. It, it takes me a little bit out of all of that stuff. Um, and then the other thing that they mentioned in that chapter was the classic halt. And that made me think of last week that, that for me, that was probably one of the main things that was going on, um, with my anger. I mean, yes, I was frustrated with people, you know, because it was scaring me. Um, and not adhering to things that I thought were, you know, important to all of us, but I was also very, very tired. And, um, and so I probably should have thought about that a little bit <laughs> um, before I reacted the way that I did. And that might've saved me a little bit of, um, of embarrassment and, um, and would have made me feel more like I was living in my own integrity. So. Angela, we have a caller. We'll take Sounds a call. good. Hey, John. Oh, hello. Hey, John. It's Jaren from Addison. How's it going? Oh, my goodness. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Oh, we're hanging out. Uh, got the night off for work, and me and my wife are watching the show, and we figured we'd call in and say hi. And um, I guess my, and you have kind of already touched on it. I think, um, for me, there's been two kinds of people that have been going through this situation. There's the people that are kind of like, really just looking on the bright side of things. We're all in it together. This is, you know, what can we do to help each other? And then there's the people that are like mega anxious. And like, even I could tell like my sponsor or, you know, my boss or my co because I'm still working. I'm considered essential. And so is my wife. So, you know, it's like these people that are just short with you and upset all the time. And they're just not fun to be around. It's like, you know what? I'm already having a shitty day. We're already all worried about things. Do you need to have just a bad attitude all the time? You know what I mean? Like, how is that productive to the situation? I th- you know, with me though, what it is, is, um, so I, I might be one of those people that are, that's a little bit, um, hypervigilant about this thing. And I get really upset about the people who just say, Oh, it's no big deal. 
you know, you're silly, you know, you should, you should be doing, um, you know, you're, you're overreacting or whatever they, they, you know, those are the people that drive me crazy. And, um, and, and, and how did I deal with that? I mean, I, I do believe that I'm, I'm right about this whole thing and that they really need to be responsible, but I can't control those people. So why, why should I even let it bother me? You know, um, that's where, you know, I need to kind of check my emotions and just say, you know, I can't, you know, there's nothing I'm, I'm going to say. It's going to change. That's going to make this person do anything differently. It's not worth getting. Yeah. That's like today I was out for a solo run, you know, I wasn't by anybody and I was down on campus and you could see like just large groups of college age women, you know, walking around together. And then you were seeing like people playing ultimate Frisbee and while they were keeping their distance, they're all still like throwing the Frisbee around and touching the same, you know, thing. It's like, what was the point of even doing that? You know? And then it gets frustrating, but then how do you, what, what am I going to do about it? You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's very frustrating process you know this is just going to keep getting worse and worse and you know it comes a point where like your anxiety like you feel a tightness in your chest and you're kind of you're like oh my god is this like just my paranoia or is this actually do i have something it's like this constant like battle in your head or in my head you know on a day-to-day basis like it's a very frustrating thing you know we're going through you know yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I had that. I was I was telling John uh, before we started that I, I wasn't well last night. And so um, I was needing to be in the bathroom about every two hours. And uh, and I don't have a fever and I didn't you know do anything different in my day. I think it's just stress. But of course, my first thing is, is like is is what's happening on the list of of things. And, and you know, None of it was, <laughs> you know, I don't have mm-hmm. anything on there, but that was still my, my worry. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, yeah. And I also, I've been in isolation, uh, for 12 days with my mom, you know, because she's, uh, she's, uh, one of the vulnerable people, um, immune, uh, compromised, I guess is what it's called. And, uh, and so it, it's still, you know, there's still a couple of days there where, you know, it's possible. But for the most part, I've been extremely careful um, for quite a while now. And so it's, it's still pretty unlikely. But that is, you know, my, my first reaction was, is this one of the symptoms, you know, uh, you know am I sick? And it, and it brings up that anxiety and that fear again. Yeah, and I was told early on the program, oh, sorry, right or wrong, that alcoholics and people like, people in recovery always tend to focus on the bad things. You know what I mean? And I don't know. And I, I know that that's for true for me. And when I do my inventory at night and my wife checks me on it all the time, it's like, okay, you know what? We need to focus on the positives and just try to get through this like everybody else. And, and that's, you know, a lot of those, those program things come into play for me is like, you know, and you do have to find some gratitude. I still am working. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't, you know, my kids are okay. Like I need to look at those things on a daily basis too, as opposed to all the bad stuff that's going on, you know, I'm a bit of a negative thinker and it does help me to, to stop every once in a while. Like basically for me, the big thing is when I take my walks, that's, that's when I get out of the house and I see other people walking around and people do tend to smile and wave. And it's just kind of nice to have that interaction, even though it's at a distance and everybody's doing that thing, but still I like it. Plus the online meetings that my group is having have been really helpful for me. I mean, that's that one period of time during the day where I get to see my, my friends and seriously, we laugh and, and just, and smile. And it's just really nice to see them. So that kind of takes me away from all that negative stuff. It brings me back into a balance, I guess. Um, yeah. So, well, that's, I think it can be tough too, because there's a part of me that like wants to be like, no, but it's right to be worried right now. It's, it's a disservice if I'm not concerned, <laughs> but then, <laughs> then I have to bring myself back that it's like, no, this, these things we learn are tools to take ourselves out of that. It doesn't mean that we're dismissing reality or that we're trying to deny reality. It's like, okay, I'm not feeling well about this right now. It's still here. It's going to be here. I need to take myself away from that with the tools I've learned. And, and if that's saying, you know, hey, I just need to focus on some positive right now, I can do that, but yet not say to myself, you're just dismissing reality, Ben, because... Uh, sometimes I, I struggle with just being terminally serious about stuff and we need people like that. That can be an asset, but I think what I've learned in recovery is 
whether that's right or accurate or not, there's times I need to give myself a break from that too. And so it is a struggle, but it's, it's also these tools that we get, they're just useful. Like whether they're always accurate or not, it's like, I just need to tell myself for a while. It's okay to not worry about that for a bit. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, at least what I've, I've learned is that um, we all have a negativity bias. So it's not just those in, in recovery um, that feel that way or that automatically go to the negative, that, that it is part of the way that our, our brain chemistry works. Um, but, you know, for those of us in recovery, we start to learn, you know, some different tools to help, you know, I don't want to say combat because that makes it sound like we're at war, <laughs> but, you know, right. to work with that, I guess. And so, you know, again, some people have said we, we kind of maybe have a, a leg up and that we have more of an awareness um, that our brains tend to go in that direction. And so sometimes we can correct um, a little quicker um, and then, you know, be more helpful to other people that are struggling with this. Mm-hmm. So, And I think it's good to be forgiving it's good to be forgiving of ourselves in it too, because mm-hmm. a lot of us have had some kind of trauma. And I mean, you can define trauma lots of ways. You could have a divorced parent, divorced parents, or never have known your parents or things like that. But I think mm-hmm. all these things, big and small, tend to make people who end up having alcohol or drug problems just hyper attuned to things because maybe we had to be in order to survive. So something like this comes up. And if we're, if it, it's easy to tell ourselves you're worrying too much or you're this or that. It's, it's maybe part of what we've learned to be to stay in survival mode when we were younger. So I, we need to be forgiving of ourselves for that too, I think. We've got yeah. a couple of comments in the chat room that are kind of nice. Um, Jay Marr um, says that um, live in the now. Do personal check, check-in throughout the day. I've been practicing breathing techniques every day. It seems to help. And then Anonymous Alcoholic writes, life on life's this too shall pass. I have control over my attitude. I am not powerless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the books John, that can I, I ask you guys one quick question? Oh, sorry. Sure. No, absolutely. Can I ask you all three one quick question before I let you go? Is yeah. um, So let's, you know, we get through this a couple months and we come out the other side. How is this going to change you? If it'll change you um, going forward, this whole situation. So. With that, I'll, I'll let you go. Good question. Yeah, thanks, Bobby. Well, I hope it doesn't change me. I hope it doesn't make me, um, uh, you know, I, I hope it doesn't make me feel bad towards my fellow man or anything along those lines or uh, my fellow human. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I, I think that the change is going to be more with society as a whole, and I'm part of that. I just think that... Um, you know, we're going to just be do. we're going to be working differently. Um, some of our relationships might be differently, different, um, you know, but hopefully I won't change so much. I don't think I will anyway. What, what about you guys? Go ahead, Angela, if you'd like. <laughs> um, I, well, I think that everything, you know, is going to change. And, uh, and so we will too, you know, I'm, I like you, I'm hoping that, um, that I'll be able to let go of some of the negative stuff um, that i I'm seeing or, or holding um, from what's going on. Um, but on the, on the whole, I, I think that a lot of good will, will come out of this. What I'm seeing is um, more people, um, we have a, a space called the Green Belt, which is a, a very long path um, by the river that goes through Boise. I'm seeing more people on that. And the people that I'm seeing on that are actually enjoying it and looking at nature instead of their phones. Um, so, uh, so I think that, you know, if that continues, that's a positive. Um, and, uh, and people are looking at, you know, how to help each other. I think people are getting to know their neighbors, um, at least where I live. Not that many people really, you know, they may know the names of a, a couple of the neighbors, like directly next to them and stuff, but neighborhoods on a whole, um, you know, not so much. And so I think they're starting to be- develop a little bit more of that, uh, I don't know, 1950s neighborhood vibe type thing. You know, pretty soon they're, when we're allowed to, their kids are going to be, you know, hanging out in the basements and, you know, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think those are some of the, the good things. Um, and also just thinking about how we're choosing to live our lives since we're forced to do it a different way now. Um, you know, I think that will uh, come into play when we have 
you know, greater choice again, you know, how much we want to, to structure our lives around the way that we did before and how much we want to take from the new. Um, so for me, I'm going to do more Zoom meetings. I'm really enjoying the, the Zoom meetings now, and, um, and I'm attending more secular meetings that are based on specific groups in different areas. Like, you know, we've always, or we've had the secular AA online groups for a while, you know, about seven of them. Um, but I'm enjoying a couple in Toronto and I joined in on um, the one in New Jersey. Um, I can't remember his name, but you did a show with him a, a few weeks ago. Um, I joined his group and, and so, yeah, so I'm getting to know some people in recovery in a more intimate way than I, I have before. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'll continue with that how about you Ben oh you know just like tangibly even uh went to the grocery store a couple days ago and it was I had this thought in my head like when will I not be so cautious about being six to ten feet away from someone like it'll be interesting to see when like say the fall comes and finally I'm not thinking twice about how close I get to somebody um gosh I know I'll be more vigilant about washing my hands probably. Um, You know, I like to think I practice a lot of this stuff um, as far as trying to be empathetic of what other people are going through. But I think as far as a nation, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I guess on some level when nine 11 happened and you have this huge act of terrorism, that's right in your face. I think as Americans, we tend to think it can't happen here. And you see, you know, it's easy to say like, well, look at all that stuff going on in China. That's not going to ever come here. I think it, it um, I hope, and I think it, it gives like a an, uh, humility. It's like when I was still drinking and I would do something that was so bad that even the next day I woke up and was like, oh my God, you know, just that vast slap in the face of humility. I hope that I hope that we, we have that and we hang on to that. And um, I don't know. It's, again, I agree with Angela, something good can come from this, but this is going to be pessimistic. People have really short memories. I mean, it, it, takes, it takes just each of us to change, and that's our responsibility. But in terms of average everyday person, I think most people are just hoping the football season starts in the fall and we can – go back to doing whatever the hell we do. I think there's definitely a segment of the public that just feels inconvenienced and, and thinks we're all just overreacting. So, um, we got a caller, Ben. I think it might be, I think it might be Bobby. Not sure. Let's see. Hello. Ben. Hello. John. Ben. Angela. (laughs) Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? I hear you fine. You know, I apologize. (laughs) I, I I answered the phone and then I immediately muted you because I wasn't ready to take your call yet. (laughs) Sorry about that. So if you were, if you had been talking to us and we weren't responding, that that's why. Ben was was rambling on again, Bobby. (laughs) Okay. Now, you know what? I was, I was, I was listening. I was listening to the conversations and, and, uh, I kind of, I kind of remember. So this is, this is Bobby C, a friend in recovery. That's right. From Huntington beach, California. And I'll tell you what, I've been, I've been writing down some slogans and the slogans, you know, believe it or not, these slogans, these stupid slogans that, that I learned throughout the years, they, they helped me so much. I'll tell you what, I could, I could just go back on that one day at a time. Keep it simple. This too shall pass. Life's on life's terms. All these slogans, you know, I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing a mountain out there. I'm seeing some breeze with some palm trees. One thing, this gift, I, I, have, a, I have a gift that's been given to me in the form of a brain and a mind, which I can control my attitude. And I have a choice today because I, I, have, to, I have to see some of this positive stuff because all day long I have the TV on a lot of times and I, I can feed into the negative, uh, constantly. So during the day, I have to always remind myself, I was looking forward to this podcast so I could hear some good stuff, positive and negative, because that's what life's all made of. But, um, I'm just going to continue listening and just, I, I thank you for this, this chance and this, this podcast. So I could just jump in during the day before I call my mom, who's 99 and in New Jersey and talk to her a little bit, but, I'm going to hang up now and I'll, I'll, I'll continue listening guys. Thank you, Bobby. Always nice to hear Thanks, from Bobby. you. Bobby. Got another Thanks, comment Bobby. in the chat room. Stephen 
Uh, B writes, definitely takes practice. Learning new positive behaviors is just like trying to learn a new discipline. It takes time and practice and a lot of picking yourself up after making mistakes. That is absolutely the truth. And, you know, I I always kind of still, because of my... Um, the time I'd spent in just traditional AA, I always still look at the steps through a traditional perspective, I guess. And this really is all about a daily practice for me of knowing when I I have, and, and it's for me, I still use this language, whenever I may have wronged somebody, when I may have, you know, acted in a way that might have been inappropriate with somebody, when I may have caused some damage to relationship, you know, I, I really do try to stop and think about what is going on there and then figure out a way to set things straight. And something that I have learned over time is that often, not often, but frequently, I guess, the way to set it right is not necessarily to make a big production over it and talk to the person about what was going on, but just kind of make a change in my behavior to the person like almost immediately. And I'm not, I hope that doesn't sound like I'm just trying to um, get away from actually making the direct amend or something, but I honestly have found that sometimes it's just, it just kind of doesn't work too well. It may, it, you know, so I, that's what I've been doing a little bit more often. Um, like the other day, I was just very, very, um, oh, I think rude to somebody I work with. Um, I, it was late in the day. I was irritable and just, and it just wasn't really nice to her. And, and and maybe I still will, um, speak to her about it and, and let her know that I'm sorry that I was acting that way. Uh, but today I, um, I, I spoke with her and I told her, you know what, you had a really good idea. We're going to, we're going to use that. And I uh, just had a really positive conversation with her. And, and, and I think that that for me was just a beginning. I don't think that I've completely set it right with her when I think about it. Yeah. Well, and, it, and doing different behaviors, you know, at least to me speaks louder than somebody coming in explaining to me why they behaved the way they did, <laughs> you know, um, because oftentimes in my life, you know, that people have been able to do that. I mean, my family's been in and out of therapy since I was a kid and things were said and intentions were, you know, talked about and, uh, and then it wasn't met. And so um, a change in behavior is a, a pretty big deal for me. And, uh, and I agree, um, you know, and even in the book, um, it says, you know, stuff about like not, you know, going to people if you've, you know, had an affair or something and that it's not always a great idea to go, hey, I had an affair with your you know, spouse. Um, so sometimes in, you know, work relationships and whatever kind of other relationships we have, it's not always, you know, appropriate to have a big drawn out type of, you know, thing about it. It's just changed the behavior and um, be more intentional in the, in the future. And it's like, it's not the first time I've ever done that with, with her anyway. And I think it might kind of get old after a little while, but I don't think I, I don't think I'm awful and terrible and and like this all the time, but it's just part of maybe who I am. I, I might get a little bit irritable sometimes and, oh gosh, I'm human. Aren't we all? So, Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that uh, I, that Ben brought up earlier about trauma, you know, I was thinking about that today as well. That this is traumatic um, for for a lot of people, um, and I don't know that everybody would see it that way. But having you know an abrupt change, which feels abrupt to most of us in your life, um, is is uh, traumatic. You know, some people are losing their jobs, and that's something that's considered under trauma too. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there, uh, some people are, you know, um, having to separate from their spouses because of the work they do and their immune system, you know, uh, you know, people who are doctors or nurses and their, their spouse has an, an immune uh, deficiency. So, you know, that's a, that's a loss as well. And so one of the books that I got out to start reading, um, is called, uh, the transformation, um, and it's by James S. Gordon, MD. And, uh, and he's got, you know, a ton of credentials and stuff. <laughs> but one of the things that he does with his team is, is go, he goes to, you know, like the, the Middle East to the, you know, Gaza Strip to, um, 
to uh, refugee camps and to uh, places of war. And he works with people there who have directly experienced um, violent trauma and um, works with them on how to move that through their body and to, um, you know, work on their trauma in that way. And so this book is, you know, some of the stuff he learned on that and, and has some suggestions on how to um, look at and process the trauma that you're going through. And so I would suggest that, you know, if people are feeling a lot of anxiety and, and uh, feelings coming up from that, that, you know, possibly check out some reading and some information on, on trauma as well. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm going to be doing. I know one of the guys from my home group is calling three different people on his like recovery um, circle or home group list every day to check in and see how they're doing. And um, oftentimes uh, speaking on the phone is, um, you know, people are a little more honest than if you text them like, Hey, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> you know, right. so he's, he's calling people to, to, you know, do that to, and it helps with his anxiety, you know, talking to somebody else. Um, I know some people that are starting like a recovery literature uh, Zoom book club and um, and reading, you know, memoirs and, and things like that. Um, you know, so th- there are different things that, that we can try and, and work on as things are coming up that, you know, it, it's it hasn't been that long that it's been a, a big part of our awareness, um, this new uh, lifestyle. So I think as we, you know, keep going, then, you know, we'll have some new ideas and, and ways to help each other get through it. If there's something I do hope that changes for me, it's that I hope I continue the habit of talking to people on the phone. I, I've been doing that. I just find myself doing it naturally. And I'm not, I'm not normally a telephone talker. I don't like having long conversations on the telephone at all for whatever reason. I don't know. But lately I've been having lots of them, you know, with people. <laughs> And it's been nice, so it's uh, kind of funny. I was, uh, <clears throat> we, when we had talked about some other things too, I think I didn't fully appreciate like that need to be around people as we were talking last week. And I was mm-hmm. listening to some podcast. well, I've been listening to a ton of podcasts. That's been one of the great things about going for walks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I will listen to the Death, Sex, and Money podcasts and people talking about how they were working their recovery on that and, and the adjustment to Zoom meetings and not being able to see people in their meetings. And, and it just kind of took me back because I think for myself, I was always a very social person when I drank, but I thought I was only social when I drank. So I think after I got sober, it was, it was tough for me to accept that I needed to be social because when I was trying to not drink, um, on my own before going to AA, I would just isolate. And I never, I was not somebody who drank by myself. So if I isolated, it wasn't because I was drinking, it was because I was trying to not drink. Mm. So when I was, when I was listening to people talk about that, I just, I felt, um, I don't know, I didn't feel the opposite of those people, but it was just an interesting realization that, um, I don't know that I don't always have a full appreciation for just how much it means for people to be around other people who are doing the same thing they're doing in the early stages of recovery and just how important that is. So that's been on my mind a lot lately and, and how, and how that isolation can be really tough for a lot, a lot of people. Doug Mm -hmm. P writes, exercise is also good for emotional balance. That, that, that's Mm -hmm. very, very true. Mm -hmm. You know, Jared who called in, he, he's a runner. He ran like a hundred miles. He did a hundred mile race once. Oh, that's right. Um, and I used to run and loved that. I'm not doing that now, but I am, like I said, my walks have meant everything to me during this time. And the weather has been really crappy here, but when it gets nice, I think I can still ride my bike and be, be socially distant. But um, I, I really would like to do that again, just to get out and get some fresh air. Mm-hmm. We finally saw the sun here yesterday for what felt like the first time in a week. And man, it's, it makes a difference. It came out just for a little bit, then went away again. Yeah, I miss going to the pool. I really like water exercise. So that's one mm-hmm. of the things that I've, I've been missing lately. <clears throat> um, but, uh, but I have been walking more and, uh, again, my, where my mom lives is near the river. And so that's been nice because, uh, hearing the water and, um, going down and stuff, it's, uh, it's relaxing. Mm-hmm. But don't be like Rand Paul and don't exercise if you're waiting for your <laughs> test to come back from. Yeah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> what? Did you hear about Rand Paul? Okay, so he he was yes. getting tested for um, uh, coronavirus, right? Mm-hmm. And um, but while and while he was waiting for his test results, he went to the Senate gym. He was oh, <laughs> to work oh, out. Yeah. He swam yeah. in the Senate 
um, swimming pool. And then later he finds out, oh, I'm positive. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a time to exercise and a time when you should. Right. Right. (laughs) Balance. Yeah. Oh, what a guy. So we have the phones open. If anybody else wants to call, um, it's uh, 844-899-8278. Um, I can tell that we're kind of winding down. We've been going for about 40 minutes, which seems to be about what we usually do, about 40 or 45 minutes. It's been cool, too. I've seen quite a few people that I follow on Twitter that aren't necessarily big AA people, but they've been celebrating their sobriety birthdays like by themselves, too. And so it's cool to be able to just throw out a little tweet and say, hey, and then everybody likes it. And Yeah, um, yeah that's, it, it made me thankful for technology. And I was also thinking back, my sister... Uh, we have some ranch land and it is, it is really isolated. Like I have to drive two miles to even get one bar for a cell signal when I'm up there working. And, um, you is know, she in back, North Dakota, <laughs> well, she is very close to the South Dakota border in North central yeah. Nebraska. Um, the closest town is 250 people and that is eight miles away. And the closest town of over a thousand people is 31 miles away. So it's middle of nowhere. But anyway, I was thinking back to, um, again, I'm not trying to be political, but I can remember back in that area when Obama was big on all the, doing all the high speed internet, even to the rural areas. And people were talking about what a waste that was. And that was in like the late 2008, whatever, nine or whatever. And, um, you know, I was thinking what, um, and this isn't to prop up Obama, but I mean, what an astute move as far as seeing forward because this connection and this technology that we have, even in the most rural areas of BFE Nebraska, I mean, Mm -hmm. has really made a difference and like has allowed people who still can work to probably work as well. So, you know, um, it's almost like essential to have access to the internet anymore. You know, um, one of the debates that we have online sometimes is, you know, um, I'm a big proponent right now of meeting online and other people say, well, wait a second, we still have to have face-to-face meetings because there's a newcomer out there who can't get online. And what are you going to do about them? What are you going to be doing about the homeless guy who can't get online? And I know there's some truth to that. There is a digital divide, but my response is just right at this point. Well, you know, there's a lot of suffering out there and I can't alleviate all of it, but I can hopefully not contribute any more of it. Um, but yeah, there, there is a digital divide, no doubt about it. And we're getting to where as a society, you almost need to be connected for work and all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, most of the newcomers we get, we get because of the internet, not because they, they called, you know, a clearinghouse or anything like that. It's they, they Googled on where we were at. And, right. you know, and even the, 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 you know, impoverished people that are, that are living in, you know, group homes or um, at the mission, they go to the library and, and, <laughs> Um, And so, yeah, and I I do know right now, at least um, in our area, that um, that those places are still trying to provide services because it's still very cold in Boise um, for that population. Should I take this call? Sure. Let's see who this is. Area code 802. Hello. Hey, it's Peter from Vermont. Oh, Peter. How are you? Hey, Peter. Hey, great. Great to talk to you guys. It's been a few years. Yes, it has been. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Hey, uh, um, well, uh, I can never miss an opportunity to put a plug in for the living sober book. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're a big fan of that. Kept, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a little book thumper. And, uh, <laughs> so I was revisiting uh, chapter 19 dur- during a meeting, which is about being grateful. And, um, the word choice is in that chapter like six times. And, you know, the message is that no matter what's going on, you can always choose to be grateful. You know, and, and, and now is a time when I'm really, you know, I, I've taken stock of all the good things in my life and everything that I have to be grateful for in the middle of all this, you know, a- a- adversity. That's a good point. That so, was actually, so, you a, know, it, that was a topic we had at a meet at our, one of our online meetings just a couple of days ago. And it was actually taken from a reading from uh, Josie's book. And um, I think it was something along the lines of gratitude being an action, not just a feeling. Yes. You know, how, how do you, yeah, how would I, you, how it, would it wasn't you, a big part of, go, go ahead. Peter. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 again, it's, you know, it's, it's an act of choice, right? Because we can always, um, you know, we, we can, we can choose our, our response, you know, maybe, maybe not our initial reaction to something, but, you know, but our, but our, but our measured response. Cause, um, you know, gratitude wasn't a big part of my toolkit, you know, um, in, in, in my, in the early part of my journey. And that was actually kind of, uh, um, 
uh, you know, the contempt before investigation thing, like, you know, make a gratitude list. How is that possibly going to help me? That's, you know, don't give me that touchy feely stuff. I just, you know, I need some real help here. Um, but, but yeah, you know, as, 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 as I've gotten along, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's that pause, right. And I'm, am I going to focus on the negative and, you know, am I feel sorry for myself, which is the opposite of it. Or am I going to, um, you know, make the effort to, to see whatever the good is that's, that, that, that's going on. Uh, you know, it was, it was sunny and, you know, 50 degrees. I thought that's, that's pretty warm for here this time of year. I'm out for a walk and, you know, listening to music on my headphones. And I was like, you know, how, how cool is this? I'm, I'm alive, you know, for, 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 for this, you know, fraction of an instant in the universe. And I'm enjoying this art, you know, which is a fleeting expression. And, um, you know, and, and coming out of the other side, I'm probably going to be grateful for just, you know, being able to go to a movie or, you know, or a restaurant. And like Ben was saying, just, you know, how, how cool it'd be to just be free. So do you live near that um, walking trail that has the giant bust of Bill Wilson in Vermont? Did you see that? No, no, I don't. Yeah, that's something in Vermont. That's, that's a couple hours away from me. And I, and I haven't made the pilgrimage, you know, going to the Wilson (laughs) house or something, you know, like, you know, the, 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 the the holy trick, but it's just, it's not on my bucket list. Yeah. (laughs) Not a a real alcoholic, huh, Peter? (laughs) (laughs) Peter, are you going to DC this year? Assuming it goes on. All right. Well, I just, you know, th- th- thank you guys for, uh, th- thank you guys for all your work and uh, I appreciate you doing this. All right. Take care, Peter. Right. Have a good night. Thanks, well, Peter. Ben, I was trying to find out if Peter was going or not. I owe Peter lunch. <laughs> when we were in Austin, Peter bought me lunch and super uh, great guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Very I, cool. I'm assuming it's going to happen, but you never know, you know, what's going to happen with that. And I also wonder about the international convention for AA itself, which is like in July, are they going to be? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's not going to be possible, but you know, I'm, I'm not in charge of that. I'm just, you know, yeah. yeah. Hoping that October will, will be able to, to go forward. I I know that right now that there's no plans for it not to be. Um, So it's just kind of a wait uh, through the summer and see if there's a vaccine or, you know, yeah, you never know. A lot can develop, change. You know, herd immunity or some mm-hmm. sort of thing. You know? Ben, Peter this says my... he hasn't decided on DC yet. He just put that in the chat room. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. I tell him I'll get a hold of him. Okay. This is my little regional thing, but you know, Kirk Herbstreet is like a college football analyst, and he said that the college football season shouldn't happen in the fall. And you think about um, that, John and I have talked about it. that is huge stuff around here, and that is a huge economic driver. Um, mm-hmm. Even just here in Omaha, like um, the NCAA tournament was supposed to be here in March. And then Berkshire Hathaway, the annual mm-hmm. uh, investors meeting is always here. That brings 40,000 people to town. And then the College World Series in June is already called off here too. And then you think about maybe the college football season. I mean, the the economic impact of this too is something that everybody else have to keep an eye on. So it's tough times, tough times when it, when it comes to that stuff too. So just got to keep everybody in mind. Well, maybe we'll try yeah. some takeaways for tonight. Uh, as we sign off, Angela, do you have any takeaways of this evening that you want to sum up? Well, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on, um, Peter's, yeah. you know, little book thing. Um, because the only thing I really remember from that book is that it gave me permission to eat a lot of sugar. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that whenever I think of that book, I just think of, you know, eating a lot of sugar. Um, but, uh, no, um, I, yeah, I like talking about, um, how to, how to do some or bring out some of my, uh, more positive step work that gives me actual, things to do. Um, cause otherwise most of the time I will think about it and think about it and, you know, and get stuck in that. If I think about it enough, I'll come up with something that'll change the way that I'm feeling right now. You know, I've, I've obviously missed something if I'm upset or, you know, unhappy or whatever. And, and getting back to some things that are actual tools that I know how to use, I think is going to be helpful for me. Or I'm hoping it'll help me in the next week to act in, more in my integrity than I have been lately. Oh man. I, you know, I like to think I'm far enough away from my last drink that I don't worry about drinking, but I found myself thinking not like actively like, well, let's go have a drink. But I mean, a thought popped into my mind where I was like, well, why the hell not? And then I was like, Whoa, well, that's, where's that coming from? Haven't had that in a while. So I guess my takeaway and my point with that, and that's also with my diet and everything. It's just like, well, shit, why not eat a whole thing of cookies or whatever the hell now? 
Mm-hmm. So anyway, my point is, I think as long as we just keep staying connected to people who know us and who care about us and who tend to think like us, we can do this and we can keep feeling okay and make it through. So if, if I wasn't staying in contact with enough people that I need to stay in contact with and talking to people, I might be apt to act on that stupid thought, you know? Um, so that's, we can make this... It, we can make it through anything together. I think, you know, I mean, I suppose I could get the coronavirus and die two weeks from now. You know, you had, wow, Ben said he could make it through anything. But, <laughs> but the point is, um, you know, even well, if we that, do look at you as a prophet. And so, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jesus is bringing the economy back on Easter with him. So we'll all be okay. All right. But, um, you know, as long as I get a Cadbury egg, I'm good. Even, even if that were to happen to me, I think <laughs> I could be okay. Right. Like, and realize this is just part of the deal. And I think some people think this is depressing, but like, I'm just as important as a virus or a microbe or a bacteria. I'm no more important. I'm no less important. Something about that gives me peace for some people that scares the living hell out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that gives me just peace to know like, no, that's my ego saying that I have control over all this stuff and virus be damned. We're going to knock it into the ground. You know what? With, with 70% of the bacteria that exist, exist, exist in my stomach to help me digest food. So what's more important bacteria or me, you know? So mm-hmm. anyway, the perspective that gives me when I, when I think about that stuff helps me a lot. I guess what I, what I was thinking about is something, I think you mentioned the word, Ben, empathy, that mm-hmm. um, just empathize with, with people. If I find myself, you know, getting, feeling that, that, uh, that tightness in my chest is just to recognize it, to take, to take a minute to pause and recognize what's going on and remember that the person on the other end of the phone or the computer or whatever is probably feeling the same way, so... Anyway, it's, it's been fun talking. I like these Friday podcasts, these live streams. Um, I think that we're getting better at them all the time. I, I love to have the callers. Um, that's the, a lot of fun when you call in. So we're going to keep this up. You know, um, I'm also going to also post the other podcasts during the, during the week. Um, so I might post some of those on Wednesday because I've got a couple that have been recorded that um, I, I still need to edit. Um, and get ready. Um, I, 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 got, I fell a little bit behind on some things. Um, and I have some guests to talk to here pretty soon too. So those will continue as well. But um, I do love the live stream thing. Yeah, this is fun. It is fun. So thank you for listening to AA Beyond Belief. Uh, as I said, I love doing this. And thank you, Angela and Ben, for participating. Thank you thank for you everybody who called in. Looking forward to next week.